All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to my podcast today. Timmy Gibson here with you for the Timmy Gibson Show. I have my special uh, friend here with me. He's actually been on the podcast before. And Grant Wood, welcome to the... Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, in studio this time. I mean, it's good to be back. <laughs> this sweet studio. Yeah. It's happening up here. I know. It's you know? really... Yeah, you can't beat the view. Um. You got a beautiful creek. I see how this this West Side Plaza lives now. See, yeah. East Plaza. See, we <laughs> over at East Plaza. We're not living this life yeah. over here. That's right. Now you're closer to like the Nelson. Yep. Not that way. Yep. Okay. Yep. I just say you know oh, the Nelson's my yard right. now. <laughs> With all those shuttlecocks out in the yeah. in the lawn. I yeah. love that place. Among other things in the lawn, they yeah. turn up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I actually just did a, a photo shoot over there at the Nelson. I, lo I love the Nelson. You know, funny, a lot of people don't realize there's a lot of art outside. There is. The walk, the art walk is great. It's unbelievable. I, I know that when it, it shut down, uh, people were all like upset. And I said, guys, I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of art out yeah. outside. So, and the Kaufman Gardens, right? That's a, I think that's a secret that some maybe people in the city don't realize. The Kaufman Gardens is just an amazing place to go and yeah. walk around and, and meditate. I mean, it's all kind of there together. So yeah, and then I'm yeah, that's kind it. of. I'm trying to think. Is that just on east of it? I've been there. I'm yeah. just trying to place it just east of just there. Just on the. It's on that southeast corner. Okay. The south lawn of the Nelson. Okay. Yeah. Yep. yep. That's awesome. It's kind of tucked in there. Yeah. Nice place. Right yeah, it's a beautiful creek. place, especially whenever like spring, autumn, or of course summer. It's so yeah. cool to go out there and play frisbee. And do you play frisbee yeah. golf, by the way? Ever... Okay, let me. We need to talk about this. Okay, this is. I need some therapy. Okay. So, <laughs> I uh, I started to play frisbee golf last year when when the lockdown happened. I'm like, I gotta have something to do. Yeah, I love uh, kayaking is my thing, but like, I need. I wanted something on land, so I'm like frisbee golf. Like this looks fun. Yeah. This looks challenging fun it's chill because i'm not i'm not a high high competitor right it's chill yeah. so I, I bought me a set i bought two sets i thought my son would go i <laughs> i really worked on him he refused to go so i go by myself and my whole family laughed at me and uh it's okay it's all right but i, I really like other than sucking like the first time I walked up to a tee, there were there were three there were three guys behind me, and I could tell these guys were like pros. Like they had their little backpacks on, they were probably pretty high. Um, <laughs> the best way to play. I but. think that I think that's a part of frisbee golf. I found out is most people are are there's weed involved and more yeah. power to them. It'd probably help me play, but I I stepped up, and it was out out in Olathe. And the first hole, like to your left, is the school football field, and then to the right are trees, and then you gotta throw to the basket. So, <clears throat> one of the guys behind me, right before I throw, he's like, "Yeah, just don't throw it over that fence, you know, where the football <laughs> field is." First thing, I just crank back and let it fly, like right over the fence, <laughs> and I just took my walk of shame. And those guys played; they were running the course, so they would throw and run. They ran the whole; they treated like a cross country course, so they really? throw and run. Yeah, okay. Which, so I played two more times, and each time was more uh, demoralizing. The second time, I played at a course, and I got really bad poison ivy, like digging for my frisbee out of, out of some trees and some brush. Um, okay. And then, uh, so I just said, you know. I haven't ruled it out. Yeah. I think I need, I think what I need is to go with someone who can teach me 
YouTube was insufficient to teach me how to throw a disc. Yeah. So I could with people, it'd be really fun. Yeah. For myself. We'll have to go. So funny story. Have you played Sean Mission Park yet? Nope. Okay. So I've never played Frisbee golf ever. But I grew up playing Frisbee, but I've never thrown a Frisbee, a disc. A a golf disc. Yeah. yeah. yeah, They're different. Right. It it is different. So a friend of mine who plays, and he's probably going to hear this. Don't be upset at me. Will. I I love you, Will. Will, you're going to be So he's like, hey, he he got the COVID. And after his 14-day quarantine, he was like, "It's I, I need to get out. He goes, have you ever played Frisbee, you know, Frisbee golf? I said, I've never played. I said, but I, I'm sure I can do it because I can throw a Frisbee, right? That's what I thought. So we get there and he goes, we get there and he's like teaching me how to throw it, which is funny because I remember in my mind going, no, I don't, I don't throw a Frisbee. I mean, I think I can do this, but that's cool. You know, so he showed me the ropes. First one's par three. Boom. I nail it in three. Takes him, <laughs> takes him six. Okay. We do the whole course. All 18 holes, I'm two over par. He was 20 over par. <laughs> he was like, fuck Will, you. On, He's man. like, fuck you. <laughs> uh, you I, and I told him, I said, dude, I said, here's the thing. Uh, I said, I grew up playing Frisbee all my life. So I know how to throw a disc. I said, so it. I've just never played this game, but I knew how to throw. So I killed it. I did awesome. And I'm not saying that as like a bragging thing. It's just. Were, That's what happened. You were so anyway, under a magic sign. We'll I have think. to go play because I'm. This will be my second time to ever play, but I did love it because it's something. It's like a, it'd be like playing golf in your front yard. Mm-hmm. You know how to swing. You know how to hit. All you do is translate that out to a golf course. Yeah, it was. It was definitely challenging. I mean, I I, I had to dig my ball or my frisbee out of I mini brush. Straight. I could not. I just couldn't go it straight. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I can throw a frisbee straight. These things are like little plates. Interesting, but I'll try again. Yeah, my latest. Here's my latest thing. What my latest thing is? I totally nerded out. <laughs> I'm just, I'm a little. I got a little buyer's remorse. I think. Oh, uh, I'm actually right after this. I'm going to pick this thing up. I bought a recumbent trike that is an off-road tricycle. So really, yeah. So I'm for those of you who can't see me, I'm six foot five and two two hundred seventy pounds. Yeah, he had to duck when he came so, into my apartment. Yeah. So when I <laughs> I like to ride, I love biking, but my ass just hurts just yeah. every time. My back, and I'm like, and and my high center of gravity. If I wipe out, it's a spectacle. So I saw these these trikes, and I'm like, yeah, I just want to try one of those. So I go out to the bike shop and they put me on this thing and I'm riding around the parking lot there at 95th and in, in all and just like laughing out loud with how fun it was. Well, it's like a land kayak, right? It's like, a, and so I bought that damn thing and I'm going to go pick it up and nerd out that so it's it's an off-road one it's off-road it's i did not big, know that they even had that it's got suspension it's got huge knobby tires my friend my one friend looked at it and he said yeah that is not the that's not the pathway to uh, attraction man that's not sexy at all you're you're in the nerd zone i'm like oh whatever <laughs> i'll just wait just wait till you see my abs after a couple months that's i'm right. gonna be rocking it you know on this thing so so i'm gonna ride it today so it must be wider because it's it's a trike right so there's like there's two wheels in the front and one in the back and it has a boom out in front with the pedals on it oh and you so, steer how you have you you have just like regular handlebars on yeah. a bike, but they're you're, just right you're here. sitting down. Yep, yeah, they're just right there. 
breaks. What are you gonna write? You gonna write it out here somewhere? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna terrorize the trolley trail. I'm gonna write. You know it. what? Let me know. I'm gonna, I, I'm I gonna see run, this thing. I'm gonna ride it down the lawn of the Nelson. I'm just gonna hit those jumps. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna late at night. I got a plan, man. <laughs> I know where to go to. I really want to see guards. those things. It's good. Yeah, you do want to see it. I'll bring it over. Yeah, that's so cool. So pick yeah. it up today. Yeah. Now, picking it did up. they have to special get? You're so so. But such a big dude. What did they have to Huge. add? Extra yeah. suspension. They had to add some chain. <laughs> they had to add some chain to the boom. They had to, they had to weld on an extension. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. That's my whole life. If only we could just weld on extensions for everything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I no, don't yeah, even know if to, I should go where I, had, my mind went on that one. <laughs> I know. They, they, yeah, they had to add a little chain to it. But yeah, they, I sat there. They measured it. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm going to go do some damage. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. That's well, where I'm at. I want to, um, <laughs> the reason I brought you in here today, cause we, we've had such a great podcast last time, such a great conversation. Um, you know, and you being a licensed counselor and working with you know hundreds and hundreds of people and, and you know, you're, you're, um, and I tell people this all the time and anytime, and you know, this, Every time someone says, Hey, is there any counselor that you recommend? It's, it's always Grant Wood, go see Grant it. Wood. And the neat thing Very is it's, it's such, well, I, I appreciate you for what you've you know helped me through, but it, it, it's neat to recommend someone. And every time, every time really? that I recommend you and someone sees you, they always come back and go, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for recommending Grant. We love him. He's great. He's really helped us. Yada, yada. So oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for being you know a great resource for me because I, you know, I do some coaching, but I'm not, I'm not, you know, trained, um, you know, so when it gets to a deeper level, that's beyond my ability, I always send them your way. And, and, and people think I'm awesome because I, you know, you are awesome. <laughs> like, Hey, thanks for the great recommendation. I I'm like, you. awesome. Just keep talking to people. You're going to run into one of them that probably didn't have a good experience. Yeah. Well, I maybe I don't lose sleep over that anymore. Yeah. You know? yeah we, get, we don't fit everybody. I suppose. No, no. So the questions that I wanted to have a conversation with you today are over some things that um, I've seen in my own personal life, uh, being raised an evangelical Christian. I'm no longer an evangelical Christian. Um, you know, I would quasi loosely consider myself a Christian because I love Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. And I believe in God. I just don't know, you know, if I believe in exclusively the, yeah. the, the Christian Bible version of God. Right. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed with humans, me included, there's three questions that I think most people want to know. And you added a fourth, which I want to talk about. The one is where do we come from? You know, where are we going like after death and what's the purpose of life? And the wild thing about religion is that just ties that all in a neat little box and puts a bow on it because you know, where are we from? God created us, you know, Adam and Eve, where are we going? Heaven. If you believe in Jesus, hell, if you don't, um, what's the purpose of life, love God, love people, love yourself, whatever. That's it. It's all night and tight, nice and tidy. Then sounds, that's it. Life. That's all good. you need. <laughs> yeah. Man. So, so there's that. Whoever, whoever figured that out. Thank you. Right. And then the fourth one, what, which was what you said. Well, one. yeah. Like another one of those questions that religion seeks to answer, I think is what, what is it that makes up? What is it that makes a good person? Yeah. You know, who is a good person? Right. Yeah. Religion so, just easily. If you accept Jesus, you're good. Do and this, if you don't, don't do this and you're good. Right. Yeah. And that easy. doesn't seem to work out. That doesn't seem <laughs> it's so easy. <laughs> yeah, it's religious. 
It's Ladies and gentlemen, easy. that's the end of the podcast. Thanks for sure. <laughs> it's easy until you live life and realize that, oh, wait, these boxes don't really fit. I need a bigger box. Yeah. My box broke. Yeah. Like my, my box, my box exploded. Yeah. You know? And that for me yeah. too, my box exploded. There is no box anymore. Yeah. And what shocked me was much like the movie, the village. Have you seen the movie, the yes. village? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Powerful yeah. movie. Yeah. Good stuff. It is a great movie for understanding even what I would consider my upbringing. I lived in the village yes. and was told not to venture out beyond, you know, don't get out in the world, be right. in the world, but not of the world, you know? And then you get out past the world and you were like, Oh wait, we're in Dallas, Texas. There's a whole city out here and there's not monsters. And, and I've encountered Grant in the last year and a half, the most wonderful, kind, compassionate people who aren't Christian. Yeah. That was shocking. Yep. I, I, I'm like, wait, how can you be a wonderful person and not be a Bible thumper? Right. Paradigm blown. Yeah. Which, yeah. It's just, I remember shocking. the moment it happened to me uh, and there were things leading up to it. That was kind of my box breaking moment in, in Dallas and in seminary there waiting tables at Landry's in the West end. And uh, this guy named Haran, he was a waiter there. He was gay. And like probably the second day I worked there, he came up to me and he said, I hear you go to church school. And I'm like, yeah, I go to seminary, you know, whatever. And he's like, well, you better be careful. He goes, you better be careful talking to me because I'm the worst sinner there ever was. Wow. And just like when I, when he said that, whereas norm, like my, my teaching and my, and at the time, my legalism that was just kind of woven into me was like, yeah, you're probably right. You probably are. Yeah. <laughs> but something different happened. I had, I saw him with compassion. I saw him like fearful of me. Yeah. Like I saw his fear of me and I saw his, I felt like I felt his sadness about being judged. Yeah. And I wanted so badly to not be that person. Yeah. And I, and I thought, uh, maybe I don't have to be like, you know, something in me started to know that he's not the worst person, you know, because he's gay. And it just, it's just kind of that waiting tables opened my eyes up just to a lot of things that there are, there are good people who don't, don't, they never, they don't even know what seminary is. Right. They don't have to. And I'm just, I'm great, grateful for that. I mean, I needed a lot more after that to keep pounding away. I'm, and it's, it's always a work in progress, right? Yeah. I can, I can even now find parts of me that can be legalistic, judgmental. We're always working on it, but sure. yeah, it's a, it was, it was a really though. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I mean, I'm grateful that my bubble didn't hold up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, me too. It's really, it sure feels good though. Initially. Yeah. It feels safe. You know? There's something about it yeah. that, that it feels safe until it doesn't. That's it. It's that word safe. I think that's where it all begins for us as, as humans, our need for, attachment our deep need for safety who is with me uh who will be there for me where i'm where am i going and we need that religion our spirituality our thoughts about the afterlife our origins i think they all distill down to helping us with the question of am i okay yeah do i exist am i am i valuable i think it all i think that's where it all drains down to yeah. Yeah. And so what is this, this, cause I think that's like you said, what religion answers and it, you know, for me early on, it, 
that I was saturated in it, you know, Sunday morning, mm-hmm. Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, revival camp meetings, prayer meetings. I mean, I was saturated in it. And oddly enough, even though I was completely saturated in it, there was something hardwired apparently in me that had always sought truth. And I misunderstood it because I thought seek the truth, which is the Bible seek, mm-hmm. the, you know, like that's where all truth is. And in my pursuit of truth, it actually took me a different direction. And I can honestly say I feel more peace and I'm more okay with things than ever before. And, you know, yeah. less judgmental. Of course, I, you know, I struggle with judgmentalism still, but it's gone from <laughs> pretty much everything was judgmentalism yeah. to, to the occasional, yeah. you know, but yeah. I'm very aware of it. Yeah, like it's it took a lot of work and energy to pull out of that way of thinking. Yeah. Life life has a way of shaving off those hard corners no matter yeah. what, you know. And yeah, and for me, I remember the first time I remember being in church not long after I, you know, I would call myself when I became a Christian about age 8, right? Yeah. Not long after that sitting in church and pastor was talking about heaven and he said you know, heaven's just going to be one big long church service where we're going to be together and worship God. And I remember the f- first thing I felt was, oh, like, oh no, like, I, I mean, it was I kind of froze. I thought, oh shit, it's going to be this like, and you know how you can you can try to get your brain to to think about eternity. You try to you can almost start to capture it, and then it moves away from you. Like I'm picturing this eternity of looking into that hymn book and now to go to 592 <laughs> we're going to sing all six verses you know and i thought something in me was like i guess i should appreciate that and and look forward to that but i couldn't like and it was years later when i was like oh it can't be that and actually uh i remember this book a uh, um, a great read uh a travel guide to heaven by uh de stefano huh which was the first book I read that had the courage to say, maybe there's a very different reality to heaven than what we have been taught to believe. It's not this ethereal streets of gold, disembodied kind of spirits. You know, you get one instrument, two instruments, you can play the harp or the trumpet. I didn't like either one of those. Like if there's not a saxophone in heaven, screw it. I don't want to be there. But, but this book um, had the courage to say, you know, what if, what's coming is why should anything that's good here, right? That nurtures us, that we take delight in, why would that not be part of, you know, God's plan for us going forward? Interesting. Anything that's good can still be good. And he painted a picture of a place that's very physical and, and also that's eternal and timeless. So like if you wanted to, if you really wanted to experience prehistoric reality, you could, it exists in that realm you could go to see the dinosaurs you could go to rome at the height of rome and see the Colosseum and experience that like it was this this tangible this place where there's adventure where there's things to do there's work to be done there are there's there are loving relationships to experience and when i read that like okay theologically right coming (laughs) i think i was in i think i was going to dallas seminary when i read that book and I just told myself, I'm like, theologically, this it doesn't work to match this up against what's in the scriptures. But I'm like, 
but this feels good to my soul. Yeah. And can very much see how I, 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 if I, I just think this is maybe I'm a narcissist. If I were God, <laughs> if, if I were God, that's how I would do it. Like right. I'd make it this really cool place. Like, yeah. you know, if, if I were God, there'd be no pain also and suffering. That's a whole right. other problem. I would fix all the shit that's fixed all of it. <laughs> but, you know, Hey, even if he's going to make it right by whatever's after this being awesome. Okay. That's what I tell as a therapist dealing with grief all the time and trauma. I, I will often just tell myself, God, God must just, he must know something we don't. He, she, and that's, I don't, I don't necessarily see God as a father. Like I grew up with that archetype of God as father as right. a masculine and that's all changed for me. But like, you know, who God is um, wants to absolutely give us presence and comfort in this life. And I, my hope is that the next one, there's even more. Yeah, and I, I, ju I just think it's natural for humans to think about. Well, I was saying to you earlier, it's we have a hard time imagining ourselves not existing. Right. I can believe in it, the annihilation, but I don't. Okay, I, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't spark something in me. Yeah. It. It's just naturally. I think we naturally think of whatever our tradition is. Uh, it's kind of there. It's kind of in the water that we think about what's next and right. what's the next part of that journey. Yeah. You know, and, and we're so limited by our own thinking, our own preconceptions, our own, you know, where you were raised, how you were raised. I mean, all of that stuff. And we, we like to say that, you know, no, I'm just seeing things as they are. It's like, well, not really though. You're not, you're seeing things through and clearly because look at the world, everybody sees things differently. Everybody sees, you know, masks differently. Everybody sees the right. lockdown differently. Everybody sees corn, like everybody sees everything differently. Mm -hmm. How is that? We all have eyes. We all have ears. We're all, did you say corn or quarantine? Quarantine. Corn. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, corn, corn it's too, corn, you know, lamps. We all have strong feelings about corn. <laughs> Sorry. You know, but it's like, I mean, <laughs> It's like we all see things differently. Yeah. And so yeah. I think we have such a limited capacity. And I think that's why the, the so many people gravitate to uh, the Bible because it's it's this closed thing. It's you want to know about heaven? Read that book. It's in there. That's what it is. And the reality is no, not necessarily because the truth is nobody knows. Nobody knows. Well, the Bible says Okay, yes. but yes, the Bible does say that, but there's also other spiritual books right. that say other things. Right. And so when you said that it, it resonated with, with your soul or it was good for your soul or whatever you said, there's something about we want to be able to understand what heaven is whenever it might be so far removed from what anybody has ever conceived, even the Bible if it even exists, yeah. I mean, it could, could, you know, what was it like before you were born? Well, you don't know because you don't have any don't recollection, remember, right? We don't, so maybe we don't, when don't you know. pass, it's cessation of life and it's just over. Yeah. Maybe. Or, or you could be, you know, you could be being born for the fourth time. There's the, here's what I'd say. Um, my, you know, my brother, I got to give him, I got to give some credit to my brother. He's six years younger than me. He's the baby of the family. He, he, he was the first person to break away from our traditions and embrace just different ideas about Christianity life. And 
and reincarnation was one of his things. And we really struggled. Like I was very hard on him uh, when he brought up those ideas. And then, but as, as time went on, I softened and, um, and it just, what I found was like, you know, at least he gave me a book to read. It was journey of souls. Michael, I can't remember his name now. Michael something wrote journey of souls about past life. And, 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 He's a hypnotherapist. I didn't, you know, I can talk more about that book. I didn't, I read a lot of the very interesting book to read. I felt like his hypnotherapy was kind of shaping what people were saying about past lives. And that's where I struggled with it. The point is though, as I knock this mic over, um, in the very least, even if, even if someone's listening today, that's more, they're in a part of their spirituality where, you know, it does like it's more traditional or it's more biblical, the the encouragement I would give is give yourself the pleasure of just letting yourself explore, yeah. read about the different the different over like over centuries of human life on this planet. People have formed these ideas about the afterlife, and it's fascinating. Yeah. If we don't judge it, right, we can we can explore it. Right. If I judge it, I can't understand it. Right. But the just I had to give myself permission. And I had to feel, I, I had to feel like, like God was saying, it's okay. Right. Like explore. Like right. I, God says, like, I trust you. You don't have to measure every step by the letter of the book. Like let yourself explore. And I, and as I have, I've found things that are like, you know, I've, I've read things. I'm like, nope, yeah. I don't see that. <laughs> Other things I'm like, wow, that is interesting. Yeah. Some of that makes sense. You know, and there, and there's just, there's weird things that happen in all of our lives on a spiritual level, whether it's dealing with past life or the death of someone who we feel comes to visit us in a profound way. Like there's too, too many people have too many experiences of things that don't just fit neatly into our ideas of heaven and hell. And that's kind of where I come down, like embrace it, explore it, puzzle over it. Open your mind. Open it up. Have you seen that a TV show, the series, the good life? Yeah, I started. Yeah, I think I saw the first season. Oh my goodness, was that funny about the, <laughs> the yeah Walter? It's like who like when she got when she first got to the good place and she asked, well, who get, who got it right when she asked Michael the archangel, who got it right? You know, like in religion, and he's like, well, the Buddhists have it partly right, Christians have it partly right, Jews have it partly right, and he turns around, there's this huge portrait of this guy named Walter, and he goes, Walter here was on an acid trip, and his friends asked about the lot life and you know what he got it 98 percent right it. <laughs> walter, walter nailed it, nailed it. So like, for the win <laughs> i i cackled and cackled and cackled i've told so many of my friends that come from an evangelical background I'm like you just have to watch just episode one just yeah, the first yeah. one that's enough I, you'll be yeah you'll you'll be an you'll be hooked if you're not hooked that one episode alone will will definitely make you smile yeah, because th- that is to me reminiscent of the truth. Meaning, we don't know. Yeah, You're right. I mean, but we, we need, to, but we need to be a Walter. We need, right. to, we need to have our Walter moment where yes. where we let ourselves be enlightened and trust our experience and and receive comfort from it. Yeah, being comforted. You know, Freud. Sigmund Freud viewed these ideas about the afterlife as, you know, opiate for the masses, a comfort to our, to the reality that we're just, you know, 
dirt for worms, right. you know. And and Carl Jung, thank God, came after, and at least he made he he made more room for that. He he wasn't as quick to say that the these religious spiritual ideas are wrong or they don't exist. He left that open, yeah. but still emphasized like it's there for our need to feel. We we need to connect to archetypes and symbols and traditions and ritual because it enriches our lives. It helps us become fully human. Right. And I just I'm just glad he left the door open. Right. I think where I find where I really struggle is where within the evangelical Christian circles, as I remember it, is you need the 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 traditions and the rituals that work for me must also work for you. Yeah. In other words, you can't right. have your own, right? Because I'm right. And I have the Bible is what I use as how I know I'm right. Yeah. And that, you know, even saying that, that, you know, I feel like this agitation in me because I don't resonate with that. Remember the old song? God said it and I believe it. And that, that settles, settles it. it for me. Yep. No, it don't. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> It used to. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, who's going to say, you know, at that time in our early in our spiritual life, and we're not going to stand up and say, well, let's challenge what the scriptures say, or why do the scriptures say what they say? Yeah. Who really, who wrote that? Right. Like we right. don't think that we just hear, this is the way walk in it. Yeah. And, and Bible says it, I believe it. That's if you it. don't, you kind of feel like you're not a good person. That's where that good person thinking religion has a lot of influence when it comes to that part of it fascinating yeah i don't want to be bad i definitely don't want to be in hell right and so hell introduces this idea. not only are you bad but there's a price to pay for being bad and it says it right here and it's eternal yeah oh God, i got saved 20 20 plus times just Me too. the fear of <laughs> saving missing least. something you know and it was exhausting it just became exhausting yeah when i became a dad everything i mean that you know, as a dad, you, your kids can do any manner of horrific things. And there's no part of me ever that even comprehended. Like, I want you to suffer eternally <laughs> for right. what you just I did. want you to right? burn forever and ever. I get it. I do. Like, I, 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 I still resonate with the idea of atonement or redemption. Yeah. There's a sacrificial kind of love that's universal that, that, embraces us that provides for us and nurtures us but the punitive ooh, like that just at some point again it's not like i read certain books on theology and studied and made a decision in that way i i just felt like i stopped being able to believe certain things i used to just yeah. take at face value i couldn't go there even with good argument i couldn't i couldn't feel it yeah my there was such a huge disconnect for me that the, I think the, like you over time, I mean, it was early on for me, even in seminary, I remember sitting in seminary classes and there were things that were said that even as a 19 year old little punk, I was like, I don't, that doesn't seem right. Like something about that. And I'll never forget what actually the class that was, I'll never forget this class. It was some, some Christian history class of some sort, but the professor said that C Catholics weren't going to heaven. 
Baptists didn't have the Holy Spirit because I went to a Pentecostal school. So uh-huh. speaking in tongues was a deal. So, you know, Baptists were going to barely make it to heaven without the power of the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, Buddhists, Hindu, all them, like they were doomed for hell. And they're so we, right out. Yeah, yeah, they're just right out going to hell. And, <laughs> and we, we have a responsibility as the bearers of truth to win this world with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Yes. Right. So the, I remember just this, this overwhelming feeling of no, that something about that's wrong. And then it came down to, this is where I literally just, I tipped over and I, I, I not only left, I can't even consider like some people think that, you know, we're praying for Timmy that he'll come back. No, I'm not coming back. Like I am, I've moved (laughs) on. Yeah. (laughs) But it was this whole idea that you could live a shitty life, be a pedophile, a rapist, a murderer, and accept Jesus into your heart on your deathbed pray the sinner's prayer and spend eternity in heaven. And yet this kind, generous, wonderful Buddhist who has lived faithful and wonderful all their life that when they die, they're going to go to hell forever. And then it was, this was always what was said. It's not about being good. It's about accepting Jesus. And I remember going, but then of course, you know, there was that, that idea of, you know, once you are saved, you want to do good things. Right. And I, that's where they lost me. I'm like, fuck no. Nope. There's no way I believe in that. That's no way. There's no way that is the way. It, and this is watch out for lightning here. But not only did I think there's no way that's the way it was set up. The second thing I said to myself is then if that is the way it's set up. Fuck that. Like, fuck yeah. the God that set it up like that, because that is absolutely yeah. ridiculous and it makes no sense. I don't want any part of a God that set it up that way because that's ridiculous. Well, you're just being a humanist then, Timmy. You know, you're, I've been called you're just, um, you're just valuing your truth over God's truth, you know, and you can do that. Yeah. You'll burn in hell forever. You right. won't be chosen anymore. But that was the thing. Right. You could say, this doesn't feel good to my soul, but too bad that that pretty much means you're selfish right <laughs> like yeah. that means that you don't have a humble spirit like those are that's the stuff to get thrown at right, you, right? or that well you got to believe in the greater truth of god's word in other yeah. words his truth usurps whatever you feel right or there's no there's no mercy without justice well what about grace like i would hear the conflict of the power of grace the scandal of grace but also this yeah, it doesn't make sense that there's this one gate at the end where you, at the end of the days, you check in and you're either in or you're out based on your beliefs or what prayers you prayed. I just, I could not make it fit. There's a part of me that still believes, I believe that Jesus is, when he said, I go to prepare a place, I believe that, I I connect with that. I just think the place, I just think the gates are more wide open. Yeah. <laughs> Who who gets to enjoy? But the Bible that says narrow is the way, Grant. It does say that, <laughs> and only a few find it. And those that believe, of course, they're the ones that have found right. it. And then it brings us to well, what is what was the way really being talked about there? Right. Is that the way to heaven? I don't. I, I don't, don't think, think so. so. Yeah. I think that's. I think that's the way, like the way of this this spiritual journey. And there's um, even in a narrow way. There's a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of width to it. That's just right. what I come to. I. You know, I, um, I just believe that 
you can't say that it's God's will that none should perish. And then on the back end say, well, yeah, but it doesn't really work out. God in the end has to choose to send the goats to hell and the sheep to heaven. No, I really believe that God, God, he says, I lose no, I lose none. You know, I'm, it's all going to work out. Yeah. Now what that, what that looks like in experience, I, I don't know. My brain searches and imagines and, it's just nice to allow allow myself to do that now. Whereas before, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't allow myself to do that. You know, um, yeah. Psychologically, we're all we're all looking for comfort in this life, and part of that is imagining the next. Yeah, what could come and and the relief. Like, you know, there's days where it's like it's not suicidal thinking to have that thought if those listening have had this thought of like, I would just like to stop breathing today. I would just like this pain to stop. Yeah. Life is, is a struggle. You know, we long for Sabbath, like rest, you know, that's, that's, that's built in to lots of different religions. It's in the Christian religion, but it gets de-emphasized, I think. Yeah. But like life's hard. It's long. It's normal. To long for the next or the after being being separated from those we love it's natural to want that reunion yeah. and there's thing there's things that too many things happen in people's lives that suggest there is some kind of reunion i yeah. just i just don't think i've had too many strange things in my own life to know that like there's a there is a i just believe there's a spiritual world and if we could if we could see who sees us and who is there present with us, we, we'd be blown away. I yeah. just really believe that. Yeah, yeah I do too. Stuff, I do but... believe that there's something beyond ourselves. For me, just personally, my mm -hmm. personal journey, you know, part of the journey was people said, you know, are you, are you now atheist? And I'm like, oh, goodness gracious, that, that would take more faith than I have to be right, an atheist. Right. I don't have that kind of faith where I can say there's nothing and we come from nothing and we, we're going nowhere and there's nothing yeah. beyond this physical Again, not just my experiences, but just something deep within me tells me that there's something more. Yeah, I can't to all even. This. I can't even get to agnostic yet. You know, it's, right. it's not a place I'm trying to get to. But like, right. that's a tough shift. I, yeah. I just, I just believe there is. There's a world of the spirit. I believe in God. I've just opened up my boundaries as to what and who you know, God is. Sure. And and grateful for it. I mean. Make no mistake, anyone that wants to break away from how they grew up, the risk is that you could you could lose some relationships, you'll experience judgment. And in a lot of ways, like I, I believe that um, those early spiritual formation that caused the source of a lot of pain in my life, a lot yeah. of separations that didn't have to happen. But it's worth it. I, I think the journey is worth it. So if if a person is exploring like Give yourself permission to broaden your horizons and know that God gave us a brain that wants to imagine and think and process and wonder about things. It's yeah. more fun. Yeah. It's 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 freaking cool. Yeah. Right. The, uns the uncertainty doesn't bother. I don't know why, but I think I used to want. I wanted the certainty. You know, I wanted to have mm -hmm. the certainty, and I don't know how or why I find cert. I find uncertainty certainly peaceful does that make sense like I, there's yeah. a lot of certainty and uncertainty for me now i don't know why i don't I, i'll imagine dying sometimes and like 
one movie I play is like I'm surrounded by loved ones and I my face enlightens and I smile and then fade away and and the other one is like I'm like oh shit like say like don't let me go like, <laughs> like cling into the bed like it's just a bloody struggle into death you know and I'm like I hope it's the first one but I don't know like I've never each one of us will do that and it's something we've never done right being born you don't know what you're getting into you know you, you just you're born and you're there like death you you know you know it's coming and and but we don't know what it is yeah and uh i've seen death and i didn't i didn't i haven't seen anything in that that i haven't i haven't seen angelic beings come into the room or I haven't, you know, somebody apparently weighed the soul. They weighed a person, and then after they—that's the oh yeah, the legend, that? right? They weighed him, and they found out that this human soul weighs this many micrograms. I've never done that. I, I think about it. I wonder. I mean, and 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 so I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I know I don't want to linger in horrible pain for years. Like I'd rather go off Niagara Falls in my kayak. <laughs> go out big right or we go don't, off we a, don't go off a cliff with your new little trike or my trike the trike could be the death of me <laughs> it could actually do it like uh on a bike you fall down and i've done that before but like i imagine myself on this trike like getting like decapitated like you like you like getting <laughs> getting downhill and like someone swings a gate shut and it's like bam he's gone but he be went quick. out having fun when I, i'm gonna go out happy i think no matter what that's my we so like so like sigmund freud would say good for you grant like you might as well have a couple glasses of scotch you know to comfort you that's all you're doing yeah. and carl jung would say good for you and you know that may be there for you yeah. hold on to that idea let yeah. that be there right i'll go with young every time yeah yeah there's yeah I, for for whatever reason i think that even people that don't believe in heaven and hell don't believe in god necessarily there is a piece they want a hitler to go to hell you know, it's like they they want, I say they, I guess we all, they, we want there to be some form of justice, like that that motherfucker that's a piece of shit should burn forever. I don't believe in hell, but that 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 guy should go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I want Hitler to end up in the Jewish part of heaven where they're just like, you know, he's got to eat, you know, he's he like has to become a Jew. Right, you know? right. It's like he's, I just, I don't, do we want Hitler to be damned to hell or do we want him to be like enli- enlightened? Right, you know, suffer. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, there you the go. The default answer is more kind suffer. <laughs> I'm not. I, mean, I still think suffer, but right. But that isn't that funny. Like that's actually that's actually become a theological question. Well, what about Hitler? Right. Uh, yes. Everyone's isn't that crazy. Good. Well, what if it was your? Did you know daughter, he was a Christian? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's what they say. <laughs> that's that's the way it measures. I know it's out, even right? hard to say it, but oh, it's it's like um you know um i don't i don't even remember my point i just you know hitler, the, the theological question well you think god loves everyone well what about hitler and then i think the scariest thing of all i do i do have a strong theology of depravity i think that i think that um you know hitler came out screaming out of his mother's womb just like the rest of us did right and so the conditioning the beliefs like he, he could be any of us you know yep but we're not you know but like and not, i mean hitler ain't the only hitler is not the only got to do is look at you know look right around murder you know murder 
dreadful things that people do to other people. Yeah. And emotional abuse is one of the like, worst things I've ever seen. Yeah. And the, the depth of that and what that does to a person's soul. And so we do something, something has to account for why that happens. And there is some kind of sense of justice that we have in us. Yeah. And that's where I think atonement is a theology that I subscribe to. I, I think that there's a, there's somewhere there's a need, there's a need for that to be atoned for and explained. Like we, we need to make sense of that somehow. Yeah. We need to have a, uh, something that helps us deal with the problem of, of evil and death and murder and, you know, but, but ours was sin, you know, it was a sin economy that we yep. learned in evangelical Christianity and, you know, it's, it's uh, black and white. Yeah. But, um, I felt a lot of guilt and shame, at least how it worked in me. I know there's, there are some wonderful Christians in this world. Wonderful. Absolutely. People, wonderful. Um, and of course I can say there's wonderful atheists in this world or people that are nominally, whatever. I mean, there's wonderful people on all sides of the fence. And so I would never want to, uh, you know, poo poo on, on Christian. I know I talk a lot negatively about it. Uh, but that's just my personal experience of, of my kind of my coming out. Um, I know my first transition from hardcore Bible thumper, you know, kind of a person, kind of the first hurdle that I jumped over was like, okay, well, fine. Jesus died for the world, period, full stop. That's it. Mm -hmm. So that's, that was kind of my first the inclusive. Jesus, yeah. Very more yeah. of an inclusive, like, okay, you don't have to believe it to have it like imparted to you because, and again, now I'm getting into the theological stuff, but I forget where this is. I know it's the new Testament, but as one man's sin, you know, brought death, Adam and Eve, you know, now the life and death of burial or the death of Jesus then bright brought right. life, the new Adam, yes. right? The new Adam. So my brain, I'm like, okay, let's just read that as it says. So if Adam's sin was imparted to me, whether I believed it or not, whether I confessed it or not, or whether the fuck anything or not. Well, then if, then what is Jesus less than? And I would say, no, if you believe the Bible stuff. So then if, than. if Jesus death was then and resurrection was imparted to me, how I take that is whether I believe it or not, I'm good. Just as I'm yes. bad based on Adam, regardless, then Jesus, I'm good, yes. regardless. We are identified with, with Christ. Right. Meaning when God looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Christ. He sees holiness. Period. C.S. Right. Lewis was talking about this, and he said, you know, if we only knew that we're all walking around, we're all immortals, and we could see who we really are, you know, we would fall down and worship each other. Yeah. We wouldn't get anything done. Yeah. And something in me feels like, yes, depravity, absolutely. And yet the you know, the God I believe in provided for that. I I, I don't I, I I just take the position that God knew that there had to be free will. Like in God's creativity, he says free will is what's gonna be the best of all possible worlds. Yeah. But there'll be a need for atonement. Yeah. And I and I still believe that. Yeah. And I do. I, I just, I just, it's funny. I, I mean, I learned, I have forgotten more about what I learned in seminary. Like I just, I embraced a different career. Right. But, but, um, 
I just believe that love, the love is so much bigger than everything else. All the other details, all the, some very interesting things to embrace theologically that are good. But, but at the end of the day, when we're thinking, when we're trying to make sense of this life, we, we need to know that there's a love that transcends every one of our, all of our pain, all of our failure, all of our hurt, and that it's real and that it's so loving that it's continuing to provide even, even when this life ends. Right. I, I just believe that. And see me too, that, you know, the, the one thing I do still hold on to God is love. You know, love is the, you know, and I just never knew what that really meant. Right. I mean, I'm still learning it. Right. But right. like that, that's always felt out. There was always a, but for me after that, God yeah. is love, but I have a responsibility to live a, you know, right. Uh, and I'd always end up carrying that backpack. Yeah. Now it's more like God is love and like, ah, okay. <sighs> All right. Let's just, Let's just sit there for a second and comprehend that. Yeah. It's not that I'm not going to work in this life or improve or check myself or right my wrongs. That that's I believe that's responsible human work. Absolutely. But without knowing that there's that much love, we get yeah, guilt and shame. Whew. You can get a lot done with guilt and shame as your fuel, but it's not Well, I think it goes against what fun. Jesus taught. Jesus says, "My yeah. burden is light, my yoke yeah. is easy." Yes. Wasn't that verse enlightening at, at a certain point? Yes. Like, Oh wait, I've been carrying this millstone around my neck of sin and purity and obligation. And yeah. I remember, you remember the old, the old t-shirt, you know, he died for me. I'll live for him, which implies that we can live in a way <laughs> that, that makes complete atonement, like even to the score. And it yeah. doesn't like no matter of good works we could do or even, measure up so yeah. but, but we lived under that banner of man now jesus died what have you done today right you better step up your game you better stop masturbating you better oh so don't much look shame. at women with lust in your heart don't don't, don't do it man you know yeah you know the, the wild thing about <laughs> don't it's we always taught in church that it's a free gift it's a free gift he just freely gives it to you it's but i was always now very fascinated by well, then if it's a free gift, that to me says that there is no, nothing on my end at all required. Not, not, not confession, not belief, not fucking anything. If it's a free gift, freely given, I have zero responsibility in this deal. But that's, that's not true. It's like, it's a free gift, but you've got... <laughs> It's you've got to do this, this, and this. Yeah. You've got to confess this, believe this, and act like this, and do this, and go to church and tithe. And this, but it's a free gift, right. by the way. Right. That's the economy that fails. The one, the one that makes sense. It's a free gift, and to know that I'm loved that way, like when I feel someone loving me like that, my natural response is I'm gonna move towards that in a way that's that makes it make sense. Like when we know we're that loved. We don't like, we still have a human struggle, but you don't have to do so much sin management. You know, I'm just loved. And my response to being loved is I love you too. We love him because he first loved us. That's the economy. It's when, when someone loves me that much, I don't slap them. I don't, we don't, we don't, we're not wired that way. Right. We really know we're loved. We return that embrace. We move towards it. And so that's, that's the God that's God as, you know, parent, protector, counselor, 
who says, I just love you. And if we sin is just what happens when we don't really believe that we're loved that much, I think, you know, our failure is just, we forget, we forget we're that loved. And then we, we take a walk with guilt, shame, or just radical self-soothing when we don't realize that we are loved. So, and you know, we're, the, the part of the challenge there is a human loving me, like that human with skin on loving me makes it a little easier, more tangible. It, it, God can feel far away. Yeah. Even if I know I'm loved, there's suffering is just part of the deal down here. That makes it tough. Right. But I, all I knew is all my answers, all my theology, the goals I had, the passion I had, you know, to get people to believe about Christ, like, none of it satisfies the way like learning, learning that I was loved is satisfied. Yeah. And, and the way I treated other people got better <laughs> when I yes. did that. Right. So, uh, you know, um, I just hope someone's, someone's out there like listening that's kind of been in this struggle or maybe is in it who can just take, take courage or draw some hope that, you know, the, the journey is long and I think life has a way of bringing us to where we need to be brought in in due time. Yeah. But like I I do a lot of work with people who've had spiritual trauma, the kind of guilt control manipulation that they were exposed to has just shattered their ideas about any kind of loving God. And that's, that's a reality too. And um, my hope for them is always that they can, they can encounter love. Yeah. And, um, and I, I believe God is always doing God's part in in bringing that into our lives. Right. I think uh, everything I think points to. Uh, I think of Yancey's Philip Yancey's book, Rumors of Another World. Ooh, great book! Really good book. Like wow. so many things that happen down here point us to this fact that God is loving us and is embracing us if if we can see it, when yeah. we can see it. Yeah, I don't have a formula for seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, that, there's you know. another scripture that pops in mind. It's wild. I, I, I'm thankful for my upbringing for for this journey because, you know, you you mentioned you know people out there listening. I think the the majority of the audience that finds my podcast um, encouraging or helpful is there's typically there's two ways to be. You're either in the world or you're not, you know, it's like, you're either Christian or not. You're either Jesus or no, uh, you know, Christian or atheist. Like it's, there's no in between. And for me there, I don't, I don't believe in black and white anymore. There is gray yeah. and, and, and to not acknowledge that there's gray, um, you know, I find that just obtuse, you know, if, it there, there, it just doesn't work. There, there is clearly gray. And we know this because there are so many things that we literally just don't know and uh i find comfort in the gray now i'm okay with the gray and you know i think about scriptures like uh not of works lest any man can boast Mm -hmm. yet you know being an evangelical pastor for 30 years uh as much as i even taught it's not of works it's not of works it 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 was really a lot about works it was about your prayer time your 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 bible reading time it was about you know, how many hours you volunteered. It was about your, how many, how much money you gave. It was a, like, it, it was so con, it was like, oh. it was just so contrary to the teaching. It's like not of works, lest any man can boast, but that's what we're all doing. We're boasting that I'm more spiritual or, or I'm more saved 
than you, or I'm a right. better Christian than you because I prayed this morning for an hour. What'd you do? Right. I went to that church service last week. You weren't there. Where were you? What are you okay? What's wrong? Yeah. It was so it's about what we're doing for God versus what God's doing for us. Oh that, yeah. That backwardsness. I mean, I remember this old song by, I'll think of the guy's name. There was a song called, it wasn't Leon Patillo. It was, oh, wow. That's bringing up an old name. It was the black Sandy Patty. <laughs> There's this guy, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Um, he sang a song called, I miss my time with you. Yeah. And it was oh, Lionel Harris, Lionel Harris. That's Dude, it. I got it. Woo. Man, let, I saw him in concert the, at Mid-American Nazarene. Let the evangelical blood run thick. <laughs> you can take the man out of the evangelicalism, right? But you can't. Yes, yes. So this song, I miss my time with you, those moments together. I need to be with you each day. And it hurts me when you say you're too busy. Yeah. You're busy trying to serve me. Like it's this picture of God as this old man on a park bench that's like crying because we don't stop and talk to him. Yeah. And it's this guilt ridden. I'm like, that song is messed up. Because God does not need us. <laughs> no, he God doesn't. is not waiting for me to acknowledge his presence. He's moving with love and creativity and power and and wants me to experience him, you know, right. him, her. Now it's more of a her for me because I just, I like that better. Yeah. But like pfft, so much backward stuff. Like faith was such a freaking hard work. Yeah. You know? No, so it's, it's totally just side note real quick. <laughs> soul so withering faith. I... That was this. I performed that song. That's a song. Yeah, I miss my time with you. You got it. it. That, yes, like that. I have probably somewhere in storage, actually. To be with but, you. <laughs> I used to perform that. What's the course? What's the? Um, I'm trying to think how that song went. I don't think there even was. I think it was just a litany of accusations yeah, running just, to the end. I don't miss remember my the time course. with you. Na, 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 na. Uh, I can't. Yeah, think I can't. It. It yeah, if it could come to me, I could actually sing it. My, like it's if if I got started on it, I could sing that song because I performed it over and over and over again. But yes, I miss my time that, with you. Gotta have that quiet time. How are you doing on your? How are you doing on your? How quiet you doing on your time? quiet time? That's one of those questions we'd ask. How's your devotional? What devotional are you doing accountability now? Accountability session. How's your quiet time? You having your quiet times? Oh, jeez. Accountability. Have you, ja have you been jacking off now? No. No. <laughs> have you just lied to me? No. No. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, I just lied. <laughs> tell I'm me, fearful of judgment. Tell me, tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Accountability is it only works if you're honest. Like I can't tell you how many people I was in an accountability group with to only find out you know, <laughs> a year later they have been watching porn. Not, I'm not saying porn's bad or good. I'm just saying that this is his story. You know, he was watching porn for hours and hours and hours and and. But he never, you know, he was in our accountability group. During accountability group. He never really brought, he never admitted to it. Like, how you doing? Well, you know, I did see a couple pictures, but whatever. It's like, no, you spent six hours masturbating to porn. But you just now led us to believe that you saw a little yeah. picture and was like, oh, I feel bad. I saw a little yeah. nipple. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, accountability doesn't require honor. like honesty. Yes, but. What what do we have to have to be honest? We have to be safe. Yeah. I have to know that that we're in a struggle together, you know, like accountability really it doesn't it doesn't work on a lot of levels. Yeah. It's really hard to do that um and get and get around this idea of shame and guilt. Like um 
I, I mean, support group is such a much better concept than yeah. accountability group. Cause I mean, accountability just fails. Yeah. It like, doesn't, you have to have a safe place. We're going to come safe. right back after this commercial break guys. We'll right. be right back. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And we're back. Uh, we were talking about accountability. Um, the, the other question that I've, I've, I guess, struggle with being, uh, working with people and, and grief counseling and, and, or grief, you know, what I would do is like pastoral grief counseling. Yeah. Um, I found, yeah. I found it interesting. This is why I, I, I wanted to get your perspective on this just because, uh, you know, of your, your training, your background, and of course, all the people you work with, what is it in us humans that there is this necessity to, to put a reason why someone died. Like, you know, God needed an angel. And so he took her, God was protecting her from a, a bad life. So he took her or him, or, you know, God wanted to, it, it's like, and I, and I won't mention any particular stories, but there are stories that I've heard that it's just even so much as like, God told me that he took him or her for this reason. And I'm just like, what is it in people that they need to have a reason that makes them feel good about death, which isn't really, I don't, is it good? I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, how can you just, how can you add any kind of story to the death of a loved one or a, a family member or a friend to make you now feel good about it? Yeah. I mean, comfort, we, we all need comfort and grief what complicates it is I think in our culture, we have a, we have a resistance to really expressing negative emotion, the, the guts of it. Yeah. And where some are quick to find and what's comforting to them is an explanation of it, fitting it into their theology. You know, ancient people knew that in grief, what's necessary apart from our theology or how we imagine where that soul goes or what happens to it is to feel the loss is yeah. to open up the only way through this for us. We actually even believe that grieving and, and allowing that emotion, the extent like it, it, that's what sends our ancestor to where they need to go. Like they yeah. believe that our grief was like a canoe that they traveled in to where they need to go in this next world. Interesting. And so it was a given that you're going to feel this fully. That's, and that's what, that's what is required given who this person was yeah. not to we go more in the west to kind of a denial like death as a whole we're we're so insulated from death a, an amazing book um that opened my eyes to this topic of like death grief human suffering um how we die by sherwin newland and okay. U L A N D, just talking about the harsh realities of death and the human body and like I believe now the only appropriate way to grieve, like we, our, our grief isn't complete without anger, tears, sadness. And there are some who their script about like my faith is strong because I don't feel negative emotion. So that's where those quick answers come from. Well, God needed them there more than they really, those, you know, they're in a better place. Like, those are just mantras that get plugged in when we find it difficult to feel and allow our pain, I think. 
That's yeah. the way I think about it. I know that when my my sister died, um, gosh, five, six years ago now, um, you know, it was it was a drug overdose. She, you know, was she was in her forties. And so I know I didn't handle the grief well now. And 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 what I've learned is that if you don't handle grief well, you know, it can turn into negative behavior, you know, and, and definitely um slippages of character you know i mean it can definitely at least for me how it worked was i didn't handle that well and it, it seeped out in in not such great ways mm-hmm. um and then when i finally came to allow myself to grieve and to to be sad and to to go into those dark places because i i would you know i kind of pride myself on i'm an eternal optimist i'm i'm happy i'm you know uh, maybe almost, I don't know, to a fault is the right way to say it, but almost like I'm just like, I would, I would have been the guy on the Titanic as it was sinking saying, it's going to be all fine. We're all going to be fine. It's okay. We're good. Like we're good. <laughs> a little chilly. We're it's, good. Cold. it's a little cold. That water's wet. Yikes. Once you get in, it's okay. <laughs> you go numb. It's fine. Uh, that's just my Watch personality. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's it. Uh, so I know that's, for whatever reason that's in me and I've learned to, to um, hopefully I'm learning to balance that, to be more honest that if I am sad to go, to turn into that sadness, I'll never forget. You know, I worked with Laura Wolf. Um, Thank you, Laura Wolf. Yeah. Props to Laura Wolf. I did an interview with her. It was, it was a good one, but uh, yeah, props to Laura Wolf. She really helped me through and I'll never forget. I, uh, and working with her, I was I was driving somewhere, and I just felt this overwhelming sense of emotion. And I'll never forget this moment. I, I called her because I was just I was very distraught. And I called her, and and she could tell you know, I was very. She could tell that tears were right there in my throat. You know, my throat was hurting me; it was burning. And she said, "Timmy, just go up, feel it, turn into it. Go ahead and feel that sadness." And I would always bombard these sad feelings with, it's all good. It's going to be fine. You know, you're, it's great now. Like I was always trying to, it's all fine. Don't cry. It's all good. And she just said, no, turn into it. And Grant, (laughs) I turned into it. I literally pulled over. I got out of my car and was heaving. I mean, I was heaving and I, I literally thought I was going to die. I was so sad and so grief stricken yes that i i i did i thought i was going to not be able to catch my breath and then i was gonna die in some random fucking parking lot between here and lawrence and that was it people gonna find me like what the fuck happened to this guy he got out he just died it was a huge breakthrough it was that's full body grief yeah and she was right and of course you said this stuff too but she was right in. She looks better saying it. Right. <laughs> and she was so right that by allowing it to work through me and out of me, it it released it rather than shoving it, shoving it, shoving it. And and man, it it was I, yeah, it was it was so profound. I, I don't even know how to put like it even right now. I'm like, I don't even know how to to say it, except yeah. that it it opened the floodgates and it released the poison or the grief, the grief, the pain. It just released yeah. this pain and this grief the feeling of the pain. Huh? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. That's how we're, we're emotion is meant to be expressed when we don't. Yeah. That's a recipe for depression, anxiety, 
Yeah. The grief. Yeah. We, we struggle to let ourselves fully grieve. We, we, we keep our composure. I think it's fine. It's, it's perfectly fine to think of, think of a loved one as being in a better place, imagining them in a, that's healing as well. That's also sure. a, not to say that that's not a good part of grief or a healthy part, but it's imbalanced without the, the rage, the pain, the anger, the questions, you know, God can handle our anger about the loss of a loved one and our numbness and our, our sense of loss. And it's healthy for us as humans to feel it fully. Yeah. But again, there were, everyone's gotten messages about whether if it's not from our families, it's sometimes it's from spiritual leaders who tell us what emotions are appropriate to express and what is it. Yeah. Whereas here's Jesus cussing people, breaking their stuff in anger. And it was right. Yeah. It was righteous. Jesus right. wept, even though he knew Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead. Like, right. here's this example of you feel, you feel this, Yeah, you know, we have to. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's where family conditioning comes in a lot. Like I know in my own family, we were way more geared towards positive emotions only. Me too. And yeah. so giving ourselves permission to show rage or sadness or tears, it, it was hard to do. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's taken a lot of work to allow that. Men, men are just as emotional as women, but often our conditioning is so anti-expression. Yeah. You know, but there's nothing more awesome to see men allowing themselves to finally fully feel what they need to. Yeah. That's that's true masculinity is putting out. Yeah. Masculinity yeah. puts out emotion. Yeah, I don't think I ever uh until that moment would I say I I ever like fell apart, you know, of like and oddly falling apart was the best part for me to put myself back together. Yeah, absolutely. And when I did just allow myself to completely come to, I went into pieces and completely fell apart, completely was hopeless. You know, it's funny. I told someone this the other day and we were talking about, um, suicide and, and different things. And I said, there's, there's two things in life that, that I've never understood. And now there's only one thing, but there's two things in life I've never understood. One is, is homosexuality only because I have a lot of friends that are gay. It's just, I'm not gay. So I can't understand. I can't wrap my mind around how like I would be attracted to a man. It's just like, I just never have had that thought. And the other thing that I could never imagine was suicide mm -hmm. until I went through the darkest day in my life. And I never, I never, contemplated actually committing suicide but but the thought of if i was diagnosed with cancer and given a week to live there was almost peace in that like let me stop breathing it was a yes. weird it was the weirdest because i've never ever 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 had that feeling before where the thought of death almost seemed good like yeah. it was like it was like a gift like it was like you in a, a way reward. You, in a way you do die you know grief grief really is a death felt yeah. and experienced. Even if our body's here, you know, grief is a glimpse of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I have a lot more uh, compassion and understanding when people uh, struggle with that. Um, yeah. Just like, that was just the first time in my life where I ever was like, huh? Still, okay. Oh. I can see how that, ha like, I can see how that can happen now. Yeah. You know, um, we have to learn how to, grief and anger they, they need to make noise to really come out they have it's you don't just exhale out 
that kind of pain. It's got to be big. Yeah. That's where people like Laura Wolf, you know, different therapists, grief workers, that's the value is kind of helping birth people into grief, like, you know, allowing for that expression and then knowing that oh, I'm not going to die. One of my favorite professors in my uh, mental health training said that living life well is mostly about being able to have good goodbyes. Yeah. Full bodied grief, you know, embracing that pain yeah on with it I, I think they were very right yeah 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 it's 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 an uncomfortable um i've experienced people in grief and you know as a as a former not now but as a former pastor you're still doing pastor. the yeah i'm just a spiritual different. teacher just, yeah, different. just different um not. Yeah, if you're in Kansas City, a shameless plug. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Pilgrim's Chapel, Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock, the Mercy Community Gatherings. It's awesome, uh, which I can't wait to have you share next next year. Um, I'm just enjoying it. I'm just going to show up and sit there and yeah. soak it in. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been good. It's been nice to remove any box. I'm not in a box. Like uh, last week, I taught on Marcus Aurelius. And this week will be part two of the 10 things that, that can lead to happiness. It's rich, rich, rich. I mean, it's yes. not, it's not my thinking and it, it's just rich. You know, the week before that I taught about Jesus. It's <laughs> just, just good, man. It's just good. <laughs> come yeah. Come be a pilgrim. Yeah. Absolutely. Pilgrim. Pilgrim and it's the us. cutest little chapel you ever. You have to wear, you know, Timmy does want everyone to wear a pilgrim hat. There's a, there is a dress code. Um, and, a, and in, you know, a very strict set of, of rules that are going to be unrolled as soon as more people get there. He's, That's right. You know, it's like, it's, why is everybody is, wearing right, white robes? It's absolutely going to be a cult. We're working on that. No, so everybody wants to wear your white robe. It is a safe, good place to be. Yeah. 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 Just come be human together. Right. Absolutely. That's what I felt. I'll come back. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah. Go into this grief thing. It, it's such an uncomfortable thing. I think that's one reason why I had always, I didn't like it. You know, I didn't, I don't like, I don't like feeling sad. Nope. I don't, I don't like it. It's I don't like it at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't like, I like feeling happy. In fact, I've noticed this is true with my, my physical body. Um, you know, I'm 51. I feel great. I, there's nothing that I couldn't do if I wanted to thank mm-hmm. the good Lord in heaven. Um, and anytime, even as much as, I mean, I'm learning about myself, even as much as like a, I stub my toe, it fucks with me. Like it really fucks with me because it's like, I like feeling good and I don't like any kind of pain, any kind of discomfort. Uh-huh. I don't like. Are you a seven on the Enneagram? Um, I'm a helper and a two. perfectionist. Two, is it two and three? Two, one. Oh, two, one. Yeah. Yeah. Ones. Yeah. One, well, ones and twos both that's that struggle to really embrace pain versus enjoy or help or do something. Yeah. 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 Sevens, especially like you don't sevens want to strongly avoid negative emotion and <laughs> enjoy the good times, but yeah, actually I think my daughter's a seven could be Shaylee. Yeah. I think she's a seven and I can actually attest mm-hmm. to that would be true. Mainly. Don't rain on their parade, man. No, that's what they don't want. No. Don't ruin my good time. And don't tell me what to do. Right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh gosh. Uh, on grief, one of the one of the best books I've read. Um, it's kind of a magical book. Uh, is called "The Smell of Rain on Dust." 
Oh, that and it's by good. Martin Prechtel, P P R E C H T E L. I first heard about. It, I went to a Glenn Phillips concert. Actually, it was Glenn Phillips. He was playing in Pilgrim Chapel. Oh, it was really? In that chapel. Okay. And um, he had just gone through a divorce. It was just him. He, he was the lead singer for Toad the Wet Sprocket. For those of you who didn't <laughs> grow up in the '90s at all, right? Such a one of my favorite bands. I got to go hear him, and he mentioned this book. And then, uh, you know, I could just tell, like, he's going through a real overhaul in his life. But I, I got that book and read it and just profoundly connected to that book, and which talks about, you know, uh, ancient tradition, um, the way we, the way people in ancient cultures thought about grief and worked with grief. It's really about the relationship between grief and praise. Everything that we praise, we will one day grieve, and everything that we grieve is something that we praised. And how, how they're related to each other. And so, um, fantastic book. And the, the other one I would recommend, um, a good friend of mine, Beth Slevkov. She lives in California. She's a, she's a hippie surfer chick out in California, an old soul. And um, her book is um, Broken Hallelujahs, which is, you know, it's coming from a, a, more, a Christian tradition. But what I like is it doesn't just talk about grief. It gives people ways to pray in their grief um, practices to embrace that are that 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 allow for a full expression of emotion yeah not just you know think of them in a better place like this is stuff for anyone who's really in the depths of grief to grab hold of yeah. all those books have been really meaningful to me yeah yeah it's a powerful thing grant that to to allow yourself to have various emotions i know this is one thing you worked with me on is i struggled with showing anger it yeah it i i've i have always prided myself on being a nice sweet kind person and to be gentle and all those things and so um i would bottle up i'd be angry which then that turned into resentment right. so if i was angry with you i would never express it directly uh, it would just churn within me yeah and then i would indirectly do something almost subconsciously to express my anger rather than directing my anger at you and saying, I don't fucking like that. You're doing that. Stop doing that. Right. I would grow bitter and then do something that would actually right. say the same passive thing, aggression. passive aggressive, and it would hurt you deeply. Very subconscious is, you know, I've learned this about myself. So now I will express anger. Like I'll say, you know what? Stop doing. It. I don't like that. And like, yeah, you're, like, pissing, me off. Yeah, you're pissing me off. That's not cool. Whereas before, yeah, it would just be a very underground. Mm -hmm. And so that's been so helpful in my friendships and my relationships to be, you know, I'm still kind about it, but I just, I'll speak my truth. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah like, I don't like, don't fucking do that. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We're taught that anger is kind of an inappropriate emotion, but it's essential. It's um, when, when someone has like myself and you also, I mean, everything you and I talked about were things I was working on as well and still am, but anger, depending on your conditioning around anger and, and mine was really, there's no place for anger. It doesn't help anyone, you know, but so I had a lot of pain. I'm a nine Enneagram nine. We're the experts on stuffing our anger. Right. Yeah. So had to do a lot of work in, in breath work and from giving myself permission to really let that come out, almost really have to kind of beat that out of my heart to get it to emerge. And now I do fire breath, 
which is a great way to provoke it. I mean, you turn on some loud music and you start to fire breathe and it's coming, something's coming up and it may start with rage and and usually it ends in, you know, lots of tears curled up on the floor, you know, but it's so healing to get it out. There's a way for those of you who fear that you are carrying a lot of pent up emotion. There are ways to learn how to release that and get it out. That's the good news. Yeah. We don't, we're not stuck with, you know, with that sitting inside of us. Yeah. So this thought on grief, this is so great. I didn't have this in my notes to do, but, and maybe you don't remember off the top of your head, the stages of grief and how to, if it, let's just say someone lost something, whether it's a death of a, of a marriage, a death of a relationship or friendship, a death of a loved one, mm-hmm. what would be your counsel and your recommendation to someone that's in the midst of that to, to go through it in the healthiest of ways possible? Yeah. Well, understanding the stages of grief can be valuable. Like just being able to get a map for like denial, anger, acceptance bargaining the problem is 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 um the the stage i don't believe the stages of grief are sequential i feel like grief is is this ongoing companion one day you can be angry and in shock the next feel some sense of acceptance and the next day be right back at anger again so a lot of us try to do grief well and that doesn't often work like grief is a wild animal it's got to roam and it's got to be expressed and so i would i encourage people to give themselves just a lot of compassion with whatever they're feeling and to and to be able to speak about it and express it yeah you know you can you grieve by going out and eating a sandwich and you grieve by beating the wall and and weeping like it's all it's all a part of the same thing and Mm, that's neat so yeah. almost back to that teaching we've talked about before no good or bad no good just, or bad You're, there's not a wrong way to grieve there's really not okay there 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 is like suppressing grief that's unhealthy right but it's not wrong and um and i believe grief you know grief just walks through us throughout our life um it's grieving is not um bad mental health it's i think it's essential yeah. depression and anxiety can spin out of grief, especially when it's suppressed. And those are, those have to be dealt with. Those, those can be dangerous, but grief, grief in itself, it's dramatic. It's intense, but it's healthy. So when you, this is so good, Grant. Okay. So when you say that there's no right or wrong way to experience grief, but what you're saying is in the suppression. So I'm going to make something up and you tell me if this is accurate. So what you're saying is, you've lost someone. And so you turn to just drinking to put a bandaid over it. You don't Mm -hmm. want to feel that emotion. So you drink, 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 or whatever, or you get into illicit sexual behavior or, or any illicit behavior. You know, you you finally, you're like, I don't want to sit alone with this grief. So I surround myself with people all the time. Is that what you're saying is that would be a suppression? I'm saying, yeah, I would say that those behaviors in grief make perfect sense and they're going to become unhealthy you're going to suffer something else because it's just not healthy. Right. You know, so the work is how, how does my grief, you know, how can I be congruent with my health and grieve? Okay. But, but if someone's drinking themselves into a stupor and grief, it's not wrong. Like, interesting. Okay. of course they are. Right. Of course. And what now? Because yeah. when we are not our feelings, like we, we have a, we have an accountability to ourselves to be healthy and to live. So, right. but it's just, yeah, like 
telling telling someone that doing that is inappropriate or wrong it, that doesn't help anybody yeah interesting, you know, interesting. there's gonna be a shit show like grief requires it yeah. and it also requires us to live yeah. you know to and to live well yeah so to walk to walk with grief and let it be our teacher let it teach us don't let it master us yeah you know, or drive us into addiction absolutely yeah the, but, I, but at least you know what if if i had to choose you know between like drinking myself into a stupor you know, and punching holes in the wall versus saying I'm fine and I know they're in a better place. And it's I, all good. I do the first one, you know, the first yeah. one's healthier. Yeah. Yeah. It <laughs> just, in my opinion. Sure. Sure. Well, I Absolutely. know that when my sister first died, I, um, started drinking more than ever before. Um, it was crown, I was drinking crown Royal and I would be the typical, you know, once or twice a weekend, you know, glass or two of crown Royal as a relaxer or whatever. Now I just smoke weed, but, um, healthier option yeah i love weed i really i really do I'm, I'm a big supporter of marijuana of course i live here in missouri so it's legal it's all good but um i know for me plus i don't have a hangover anyway uh, a i can thing. i can get stoned and wake up the next day feel like yeah it's a plant yeah and if you want to get biblical about it god created it so, so there you exactly go it's god's right. lettuce people say it's the devil's lettuce we it's have the cannabinoid <laughs> receptors in our bodies we yeah literally like our bodies yeah. are designed yeah, it's fascinating. I love that. That's another podcast we need to do. You but, know, you need someone else that's more familiar with that. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm. You, you, you need a, another like someone who's further down the road with that than me. Yeah, I'm. I'm um, I've used THC to help me sleep in times of trauma and stress, and it was better than any any drug. Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, that's kind of my first experience with that ever in my life. And I thought, you know, this isn't the devil. No, no, it's, it's not. refreshing. It's not. It's pretty good. It's, it's wonderful. Pretty dang good. <laughs> you know, it's wonderful. I've, yeah. ne- you know, it's funny. So <laughs> this is this is just part of the conversation. So for me, when I drink alcohol, especially tequila, I I want to do shady shit. Like you start speaking Spanish, I, man. Not only that, I I've like I want to I want to get naked. I want to dance. I want to <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like I want to get crazy. Yeah. It, it, yeah. But when I smoke weed it makes me and i don't know if this is the correct word i have such a limited vocabulary but docile like it makes me it subdues me uh, you know yeah. it makes me not want to go do anything crazy it makes yeah. me i want to be safe Sit i down and crack open the dictionary <laughs> like literally it just it calms me and makes me just like it's good. it's a it's a great anti-anxiety yeah it's probably one of the better it's better than any synthetic drug for anti-anxiety yeah I know of. It all, but the only problem with it is it subdues my sex drive yeah. now sex while you're high well is, you're over sex to start with Tim. <laughs> so it's just gonna bring you down to normal well you mean i shouldn't be masturbating 10 times a day what's up i thought I you know. said that was good if, um, if that's <laughs> I right keep for my you, prostate then, healthy <laughs> your prostate's gonna explode like, <laughs> so many you know it's funny as you're i've gotten older it. As I've gotten older, you know, I think can break. You know? Yeah. I, I had a friend, <laughs> I had a friend that literally his wife wanted to try some new trick. So she, while they were, she turned around. I know, whilst tri- it, I know exactly what trick and she broke it. Yeah. It broke. She did. It turned all purple. He had to go to the doctor and had to calm down for a while. Can you believe that? It's like, yeah, broke the boner. Man, more power to him. Yeah. <laughs> more power to him. Thank man. God. It, the, the, you know, knock. Knock I'm going to break my dick on this trike. I'm, I'm going to, can I say dick? Is that, a, is that appropriate? Yes, of course. I mean, if you go out, 
you know, in a blaze of glory. That's good. That's the way you got to go out, man. I hope she enjoyed it. Yeah. Look, you don't know, hear those stories of men that, that <laughs> die having sex. Like that's how I want to go. Right. That's how I want to yeah. go. Um, I, I digress. Yeah, I'm probably going to go on a altered bicycle. Right. <laughs> get sucked into a wing dam in my kayak. Drowned in your kayak. <laughs> yeah. But I don't remember there being a waterfall I mean, here. That'll be stimulating in some ways. Yeah. Not sexually. Yeah. Unless death turns me on. I don't right. know yet. I haven't been there I yet. Been, I don't know. I don't have, I've never this, seen any video is, footage from is, it. We haven't smoked anything and this is going in different directions. I know. <laughs> No, the, un, unfortunately, we're both like totally sober right now. That that's the thing about my podcast is I like doing podcasts with a few drinks or a little bit of weed. It makes the conversation more entertaining. Well, for our next one, but, you know, yeah, we'll tee it up a little bit. Yeah, it's morning. It was morning when we started. I know it. It is. Um, so I guess in closing, we've got a couple minutes here um, before we we close this podcast. Uh, if people want to, you know, connect with you, if they're here in Kansas City, yeah. I, I guess do you do counsel. I guess you would do counseling now through Zoom. Can you do a lot of counseling? telehealth? Yeah, I can do Zoom from anywhere. Um, my office is in Overland Park. Uh, ResonateClinic.com is our website. Okay, and you have um, a lot of therapists there. A lot, a lot of great therapists there. Um, neurofeedback, which is great for ADD or anxiety therapists who work with couples. We've got a new therapist. She works with. Um, teenage girls and a lot of their issues. So just a great, great team. And you're teaching breath work now, right? Or I'm no? doing, yeah, I'm doing a, a method. It's called comprehensive resource method, which is a, which is therapy, not only for trauma, it's really therapy to help people live more from their core self than from their traumatized, fearful um, selves. And okay. so it involves breath work. It involves just it, lots of internal resourcing. Yep. And I'm excited about it. Cool. Awesome. Well, Grant, thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast and um, everyone listening. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We'll definitely do this again. But if you're listening and uh, need uh, to talk to someone, make sure to give Grant uh, a look up and uh, connect with I him. I have email too now. I have a new email, uh, gdub11, no, gdub514 at protonmail.com. Sounds good. Thanks, Grant. Appreciate it.